0: You're listening to the Birthburger podcast. My name is Kylie and this is episode 28. Thank you so much for being here. If you've been here for a while, I just want to remind you that if you review our show, we actually send you a little gift in the mail. And that's something really fun we've done since we opened this show just about 6 months ago now. Almost exactly, actually. So all you have to do is go to birthworker.com slash review, and then review the show, take a screenshot, upload it there, and then you're going to enter all your information, and I'm going to put together a little package for you, put a stamp on it, and put it in the mail. Um, Something that's super, super cool that we do, and I don't know how much longer it'll last, especially if I do end up moving to Costa Rica. I will not be mailing any uh, little goodie bags from there, that's for sure. So if you haven't reviewed the show already, go to birthworker.com slash review or you can even just go scroll down into the show notes and get that link, upload a picture and that is about it. And if you are a longtime listener of the show, thank you again so much for being here. We are continuing our three-part business birth story series today. And hey, let me know if you love these because I think I actually want to do it again. And there's a lot of a lot more business and birth mentors for doulas out there that I would just love to feature on the show. So if this is something you love, shoot me a DM, let me know. And yeah, I'd love to do it again. Anyway, our guest today is Carly Smith. She is from Australia, and she's going to take us through her entire journey from finding out what a doula is to becoming a doula, transitioning to also support birth workers, and the entire story of what that looks like. And I really am excited to share Carly's story because before she became a doula, she was actually working in advocacy. And so it was really cool to listen to her story, how she kind of switched to now being a birth worker and serving doulas also, and how she brings that advocacy into the work that she does in the birth community. It's very, very cool. You know, I'm sure you've heard a million times, and if you haven't, you will, the phrase that doulas can't change the system. And that's something that I say all the time also, I'm pretty sure, but Carly's stories just remind us to come into birth work without assumptions because she's actually going to share how she actually changed uh, what was happening at her local hospital during COVID just by, you know, just by reaching out to the right people, having conversations from that calm place and demanding a change and it it's amazing to listen to so definitely an amazing reminder that there are doulas out there who are actually changing the system all right without further ado here we go hey there birth nerd you're listening to the birth worker podcast my name is kylie banks and i am totally obsessed with birth and equally obsessed with business And this is the show where I help women turn their passion for birth into a sustainable, profitable, and most importantly, impactful career. All right, let's get into it.
1: Gosh, um, I'm one of those doulas who did not hear about doulas until after she had her own babies amazing <laughs> so I remember the day actually I was in um a cafe with a girl friend who I had actually met on Instagram locally and um she pointed out this other woman that had walked in who was very uh had a presence about her let's say you all know who I'm talking about when I say her name um and she was like oh look that's Angela Gallo I don't know if you know Angela Gallo I do. uh Yeah. And I was like, who the fuck is Angela Gallo? (laughs) And she's like, she's a doula. She's famous on Instagram. (laughs) I was like, what the hell is a doula? And then she told me about it. And from then on, then I started following Ange and uh, yeah, that was my uh, birth by fire, if you like, into what a doula was. And this was after I'd had, after I'd had my second baby, just after I think we were there with, our young children. And that's how I was introduced to the world of doulas through my friend from Instagram who showed me who Angela Gallo was.
0: I love that. And And can I just say, there are so many doulas who are like, um, there's not enough clients. There's not enough clients. There's not enough people giving Mm. birth. And then I think to myself that like, there are literally people giving out giving birth right now who don't even know what a doula is yet. Exactly. The room that we have to expand this, this community of birth work. It's Mm -hmm. insane. It's insane. Yeah. It's yeah. It's
1: wild. Yeah. It's huge. And from there, so my son would have been a newborn because I, my career to that point was completely different. I'd spent 10 years in the humanitarian aid industry. So I was an aid worker doing a lot of travel and, policy work and so forth. My background's in human rights law. And I was on maternity leave and was thinking about what it would look like to go back to work with two children to that type of job. And I just had opened myself up mentally and emotionally to what a a total career change might look like. And you know, when you just plant that thought in your head, And you don't even tell anyone. And then the universe goes ding, 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 ding. (laughs) And so I had opened myself up to a new possibility and heard rumors of a restructure at my organization. And sure enough, I got a phone call one day saying, can you come in um, for a meeting? And I was like, yes. And I went in and I saw the white envelope on the table and I was like, that better be a redundancy package (laughs) so that I can go and become a doula. (laughs) And it was, and literally the following day I signed up for Angela's uh, doula training that she was doing in my city. We lived in the same city at the time and the rest is history, as they say. So from there, I did her training, which was a week long intensive in person. And then I also had an online component and one week before my son turned one is when I attended my first birth.
0: Wow.
1: So, and he was seven months at the training. He was the only baby there. And, uh, so yeah, it was, it just happened. It just unfolded. It just, I didn't even really make much of a decision at all. Just yeah.
0: That was the birth. From that very first, like the very first entrance to birth work, Did you already say, "Wow, I want to bring my background in like advocacy and legal work into this work"? Yeah, I did because
1: you know, I you know, once you have your own births, and people start telling you theirs, and I was like, "What the fuck is going on here? What like what's happening to women and people birthing here is illegal? Like this, some of this stuff is illegal. What is going on? Why why is no one saying no? Why is no one having conversations? Why is no one aware of what they can and can't? You know." Speech box, air quotes, do. Uh, what's going on? Like, why are so many people in my circles having these really challenging births in hospitals? And so, yeah, I knew right away, and that's why I was also attracted to Angela Gallo because she did a lot of work in activism in the birth space, and so I, you know, I looked at 10 other trainings and was like, oh, too vanilla, too vanilla, too. Like, no, that's very pasty. I need something with fire in it, something that's actually going to make a difference, not just hand-holding and that sort of thing. And and so straight away, Ange was up that alley. Uh, so, yeah, I knew right away that the two would come together really nicely, and they have, which has been really great. I don't think I could have survived in this work if I didn't have that aspect yeah. of activism. Yeah,
0: yeah. I feel like, you know, doula burnout comes in many different forms. And I actually mm. think for the majority of doulas, it's they don't even find their first clients like they, mm. they burn out because they like don't even they they struggle and struggle to even find clients but then there are other people who do find clients and the burnout comes more in the form of like witnessing trauma over and over and over and over again which are two very completely different problems but both like Mm. very prevalent in birth yes yeah for sure yeah so did you start off by you know doing the typical doula stuff or attending births in person at home at the hospital all of that yeah, most of my first first
1: births were at hospital, and my first few clients really was word of mouth. And I had put a website up and started an Instagram, but my first three really were um, all word of mouth and just people being like, "Oh yeah, I know someone," and da da da, and they got in touch with me, sort of thing. Um, but yes, mostly hospital, and then my very first home birth. Um, I'm actually about to attend her second home birth in the next couple of months, which is exciting. I'm seeing her tomorrow. Uh, Yeah, that was an incredible experience to have the comparison between the two, and just to be blown away by what you know much more undisturbed birth is like. And then it highlighted even more so the problems that we have in facility based childbirth.
0: Tell me about the process of starting to incorporate that advocacy stuff because when you're starting out as a doula, sometimes you know, you don't know what you don't know yet and you got to witness yeah. some shit to realize, mm. oh, yeah, like this needs to change. So I'd love to hear yeah. how you started incorporating the advocacy.
1: Yeah, right from the beginning. So, uh, you know, if you know me, which you have for a while, you will know that from the beginning I started saying some pretty outlandish shit. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, if you scroll right back to the early days of my Instagram, um, I've always from the beginning had a fire in my belly, even as a young child about different things. My parents cut down a tree in the front yard when I was like, uh, what would I be 14 or something and I lost it like uh, that's a tree it's a living thing you know so I've always had that and it was just always going to come out so I think if it's in you it's just going to be in you and it's going to come out you don't have to wait for an opportunity like there's always something to advocate on and so but it really became even more so during you know I don't know if you're familiar much what I'm I live in Melbourne in Australia or south of Melbourne but we had the harshest lockdowns in the world during COVID. We had 200 and something days of, yeah, stage four lockdown, which was like not at all leaving your house. Like it was the worst in the world. And um, during that time, there were a lot of restrictions on people birthing in hospitals. And that was really when, I mean, this is what two and a half years ago now, and I've been at all of like four years. So, you know, a year and a bit in lockdowns hit. And, So I started doing a lot of work trying to get people into hospitals and that was, you know, one-on-one with my own clients applying for exemptions and all that kind of thing. But it was also, you know, so many people would contact me online and be like, I'm trying to get, you know, my, I'm having a cesarean and they won't let my partner in. Like, what can I do? And all this like fielding all these um, issues. And toward the end of the lockdowns, what was still happening was, if you were having birth in theatre, whether that was an instrumental birth or a surgical birth, you were on your own. And that's not right. And so the whole time I was following the WHO recommendations and what different human rights bodies were saying about what was going on, including in Australia, we have a couple of bodies that were, you know, providing some advice. And I was following all of that with what was developing and evolving over the time. And what was happening wasn't right. What was happening in our city was not in alignment with what was being recommended. And so I tried as much as I could to bring that in. So it's one thing just to be like, I know this isn't right, but why? Like you have to go that extra mile and be like, what is there? Like I know in my gut this is wrong. I know in my mind this is wrong, but what else is there that says this is wrong? That's not just me going to be jumping up and down going, this isn't right, you know? And that's where the law comes in. Uh, and where different recommendations from other bodies come in. And so I tried to gather as much of that information as I could to back up my case every single time. And it worked. So our local hospital ended up changing their policy uh, literally overnight because I was on the phone to the CEO at like 8 o'clock on a Saturday night trying to get in to see a client. Um, I was like just emailing, emailing like, You need to let me in. She's in distress. And eventually they did. And the following day, the policy changed. And you know, the midwives who I'm friends with there were like, it changed like literally after you did that thing. So we know that having that kind of conversation with the right decision makers and not just blurting it out on Instagram, because CEOs of hospitals do not follow you on Instagram. Like (laughs) flash flash
0: news
1: (laughs) and so you have to go to the decision makers right and so once you get that that's where change can happen as well so that was great that that change happened uh yeah so yeah it's always been part of my work that activism and then you know obviously there's the one-on-one aspect with clients but there is joining local advocacy groups and national advocacy groups doing work for consumers and people interacting with the system
0: how can you make this a sustainable job if a lot of the activism is actually happening just through your your humanity and being a good human. You're not and a lot of times you're not technically getting paid for that advocacy work you're mm-hmm. doing. So how is that sustainable for somebody?
1: Yeah, it's I think there's a couple of aspects. Yeah. I have to remember, we all have to remember that it's a long game. It's like a long plane. And so when you first come into it and you're all fired up and every single birth pisses you off and every, like, I mean, aspects of how a person is treated, not like the birth in general, like you're probably in the wrong job if you're being pissed off by a birth. Um, But it's really easy in the beginning to feel like you're hitting your head against a brick wall and to have that rage inside of you that's going nowhere. And I think that's what can lead to burnout as well. So remembering that that, it is a long play. Like this change is not going to happen overnight. It could, but it's not going to. It's it's a generational change. So when you think about, you know, I don't know if in America you're familiar with people like Rhea Dempsey and Jane Hardwick Collings, they talk a lot about what's happened in previous decades to get us to where we are now. Like what is the red thread of birth? And when we look at all of that, significant change does happen over generations, but it is over generations. It's not in a day, it's not in a month, it's not in a year, it's generational change. And it involves cultural change as well. It's not just about what's happening at a hospital or with midwives privately or anything like that. It's cultural change as well. And that systemic change tends to follow the cultural change. So they have to go together. So everything we're doing to address the issues in birth work is multifaceted. So I think remembering that helps it to be more sustainable. And I think the second part is on more of an energetic level, dropping the maiden energy around it. So like the maiden energy around those issues is very hectic. It's very all over the place. It's high in rage. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like really intense.
0: It's like what you said, like you're just posting on Instagram, mad at the world. Like that's exactly. amazing energy. It's not yeah. thought out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think when you embrace more of the mother and crone energy, when you enter those phases, if you if you do have children and you don't even have to have children to enter those phases, right, uh, that energy is very different. And I think that's the energy that we need to bring to the change is more of that solid, grounded, inner knowing, deep knowing interconnectedness
0: that's what will bring it forward
1: as well as all the actions that we do the activity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. How much do you feel that your past with advocacy and law was the reason that this hospital changed their policy? And I'm asking because I feel like a new doula would hear your story and be like, Oh, okay. Carly did it because she had that history. I don't have that. Mm -hmm. So how, how am I supposed to make a change?
1: Yeah. Well, they didn't know that I had that. So it's not like they were like, oh, she sits on the board of this law organization or anything, so we better listen to what she's saying. Like it was more just the way that I framed everything. And, again, it was that non-maiden energy of how I approached it. So, yes, I was persistent, but I was very tactical in my words. I was diplomatic. I wasn't calling them out in a way that they would just put a wall up. So you have to be political about it as much as it sucks in some ways, you know. You gotta
0: play the game. Yeah. Yeah,
1: you have to play the game. And so when you approach it from that way, I don't think it matters what your background is. As long as you come at it from that grounded place with the right information that you know for sure is true and applies, then it doesn't matter. You could have you could have never had a job in your whole life and come to it from that. And they would never know. It doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. I say the same thing when I help doulas support women in like the birth room and, in maybe mm-hmm. a, a tense situation in a hospital birth, the exact same thing. Like, can the doula remain non-triggered? Can the doula mm-hmm. not bring that all, that reaction in that baggage? Cause mm-hmm. if a doula is triggered, that's when a lot of times the, the provider puts up that wall and says, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not listening to you or get out sometimes yeah. even. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, the one with the calm mind tends to have a lot more of the power in that room.
1: Mm -hmm, For sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So are you doing work with doulas now to help them uh, advocate for their clients?
1: I am. And that's, yeah, I guess also came out of the last couple of years with just people coming to me for different advice around all of what we just talked about. Uh, Yeah. So I started doing, oh, it would have been a year ago, this time a year ago, I started sort of doing a series of masterclasses on different topics. Um, for example, human rights in childbirth and, you know, um, doing particular things with clients at different times in the journey and this sort of thing. And and that series, I guess, rolled into what I ended up creating, which was the hospital birth course late last year, which I released in November, which at the time of Black Saturday sales, which was terrible timing. Black Black Friday, sorry, not realizing that was on. Um, anyway, so that's a whole other story. But yeah, I I am working with doulas, so that was one aspect because well, that particular course can be accessed by anybody. It was useful for everybody. But then, in the just before that last year, I started. I launched a mentorship called Power Power Mentorship for Birth Workers, which. Um, is into what month are we in? We're in our fourth month of six. And I'll probably do it again at the end of this another cohort, but uh which was really addressing like both business and birth for doulas so and birth workers. Um yeah. So it's really looking at yeah, what power dynamics are. It is about addressing change in the system, but also about sustainable business and debriefing births and all that. It's like a six-month little solid spot to do all of that in so that's when I more heavily started working with other doulas and birth workers in more of a mentorship capacity rather than just kind of advice here and there and collaboration and that kind of thing which had been happening for a long time this was my first
0: little formal entry into
1: yeah that world yeah yeah
0: and My journey sounds a lot like yours where it's just, I kept creating and people kept asking questions and I would just Mm. create based on what the people wanted and eventually Mm -hmm. like kind of transitioned and like this Mm. this beautiful, you know, mentorship program um, came about because that's what really that's maybe that's what's been lacking as birth work has been going online and maybe especially through COVID Mm. um, we're lacking that like mentorship um, relationship, especially with our trainers. Like when I did my doula training program, um, Angela sounds amazing. Mine was two days in person. Um, mm. maybe three days, but the third day was, you know, just like chit chat. Let's go get lunch together. Yeah. Yeah. And as I was making so I made like a comprehensive, like full doula training program, it's like six yeah. months um with mentorship and like pre-recorded videos. And I remember mm. when I made that, I was like, Oh, let me just make it like three months. And as I actually <laughs> started making it, I'm like three months isn't enough. It's not enough. Yeah. No. How is two days enough? How is three days enough when three months is not enough? And even six months, it's like, you know, they get to the end of the program and they're like, wait a second. Like I want to keep going. Um, Yeah. Because yeah, it's, it's birth work starts with life work. You know, it starts with that self mastery Mm. and understanding your Mm. own triggers and biases and how you show up in the world. Mm. And then there's so much that goes on top of it, right? Like the birth theory and the practical stuff, and then beyond that, mm-hmm. of course, like the business. So I just love yeah. that you're combining all of that. You know, mm. the self work, the trigger work, the advocacy, mm-hmm. but also birth debriefs and business. Yeah. Like this is yeah. what in the birth community.
1: Yeah, and it's hard because so many trainings, you know, you cut you know, doers come out of and think that they have everything they need, but we don't. Like we don't, I mean, mine was much more comprehensive than others, but certainly, you know, even I came out and still was like, okay, I just need someone to like hold my hand for a little while because uh this is full on. So even my own, I had a business mentor last year and that was, ended up being 12 months. And even that was like heartbreaking when we stopped because I was like I don't know if I can go on without you I mean I can but you know it's still that feeling of like is it ever enough like it needs to be yeah more than we think it does
0: yeah there's a lot (laughs) there's a lot of benefit to just having someone to bounce ideas off of yeah whether it's like remodeling your home giving birth (laughs) becoming a doula like whatever it is it's just yeah and not necessarily out of a place of like needing that validation from someone else but just like. Yeah. Bouncing your ideas off to make sure you're headed in the right direction. Well, we work on our
1: own, right? Like when we have, uh, you know, I remember in my previous jobs, I always had a team. I always had a manager, lots of people to bounce ideas around with. And we don't have that when we're working on our own. So really it's just employing a teammate, I feel like in a lot of
0: ways. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Tell us where to find you. And actually we didn't even inter- introduce you at the beginning. So tell us who <laughs> you are, where to find you and uh, how someone can reach out if they're interested in any of your programs.
1: Yeah. Thanks. So hi, I'm Carly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so I'm a birth worker based in
1: Melbourne, Australia, just South of Melbourne. And you can find me on Instagram at, at @carly_smith_doula which is Carly, K-A-R-L-I. And then my website is www.carlysmith.com. And those are the two places you can find me. You can contact me on either place and I will see it. And right now I have going, yeah, the hospital birth course, which for birth workers, I'm happy to extend this offer to anyone listening is, um, it is Australian based. So if you're in Australia and you're listening, then this is hundred percent for you, but if you're in America or another country, it is also very applicable to you. So have a look at it and see what you think. But um, the hospital birth course is really designed for anyone who's birthing in a hospital to birth in a hospital, to know exactly what they're up against and up for. And it's a full rundown of everything. So I'm really proud of it. Um, And it's everything I talk about with my clients as well. It's like six or eight hours worth of content plus other bits and pieces. So yeah, you can jump on there and have a look at, at it. But for birth workers, uh, the offer is that when you purchase it, I will give you a code for your clients to purchase it at 50% off. So you don't have to, there's stuff in there for you because there is a birth worker edition with like an advocacy class and a whole range of stuff. Uh, but for the regular person birthing in a hospital, they can have it for $100 when you have that code. So it's very handy. I give it to my clients all the time as a gift because I'm like, here's six hours of content we don't have to do. We can do way more fun things in person than talk about these things. So it's great. Um, that's what I have going at the moment and then at the end of this power mentorship round I will probably do another cohort beginning in April so if you want to learn more about that you can uh, as they say slide into the dms and we can chat about
0: it amazing and I'll put the links to all of that in the show notes so if you're listening go to the show notes um, follow her on instagram I'll put the links for the hospital birth course and then just your Mm -hmm. website in there Thank you so much. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. Again, if you loved these business birth stories, shoot me a DM on Instagram and just let me know. So DM me at birthworker podcast, super easy to find and let me know what you think. And we can always do more and maybe even come and tell me who you would actually want me to interview for these business birth stories where I interview other doula mentors and business coaches that serve birth workers. And in doing so, showing you guys with my actions that collaboration is way, way more helpful than competition all day, every day. And don't forget, in the next couple of weeks, we are launching the pre-sale for our childbirth educator program. You'll be able to secure your spot at half off for one week in February, and then it will actually be ready to be released in April. So, if you want to get in on the early founding members' price, just keep your eye out. Make sure you're on the waitlist. You can go to birthworker.com/waitlist, and you will get emailed a sneak peek of what's inside our childbirth educator program. And I just have to say that it is unlike any other program out there like completely. It's like not even comparable. So definitely go to birthburger.com slash waitlist to get on the waitlist for that. Uh, the doors to that open on February 6th and they're open for just one week only. So you definitely don't want to miss it. All right, everyone. I will see you right back here next week for two amazing episodes. Remember we're doing Wednesday and Friday episodes now, which is so exciting, but I will see you right back here next week.